everyone. Welcome to First Time Outdoors Podcast. This is episode four. Um, in this podcast, you can expect to hear uh, Jake's recounting of their uh, recent elk trip that they returned from this past weekend. Um, if you haven't listened to episode two, that is a great lead-in to this. Uh, that's where Jake and Ben Albers provide a lot of information on the planning aspect of a trip out west, uh, looking for elk, um, specifically for an archery trip. And in this episode, you're going to hear a lot of stories. So this one isn't going to be a lot of tips and tricks. This is going to be, you're going to hear some some good stories and maybe some lessons learned along the way that uh, you all can learn from as well. So thanks for joining us and uh, stay tuned. Yeah, so uh, just got back for my first elk hunt, and boy, was it a trip. Um, we really had a good time and did not end up, I can just uh, not bury the lead. We had, we were not successful. Mm-hmm. I don't have a freezer full of meat at this point, but um, in the same sense, I think we, I think it was a major success. Like we, we definitely accomplished a lot of the goals that we wanted to uh, when we set out there, so um, yeah, I don't know kind of where you want me to go with things. If you just want me to, to start into everything, but yeah, maybe let's, uh, start with, you know, maybe your first impressions of once you got there, you know, like kind of maybe bottling the excitement and getting everything, um, unpacked and set up and, um, the lead up to that first trip out. So the first day was spent driving, um, took us a long time. Um, my brother got married the night before on Saturday. So, uh, the rest of the crew picked me up at 7am on the freeway and we did not get in to our location until, uh, I believe it was about 10 30, 11 o'clock PM. So it was good. Like what is that 14 hours 14 15 hours mm-hmm. uh, to our location and we that whole time was pretty much filled with preparation and elk talk and kind of strategy what we wanted to do we listened to a few podcasts just getting excited like there was definitely an energy in the truck and not a lot of sleeping i thought i'd, I'd sleep most of the way just because of the wedding and getting ready for it but it was definitely like excitement and just this anticipation of, of getting there uh that slowly started to, to like fizzle out as we got there late. Uh, the original plan for the, for the four of us was to get two vehicles. Um, the nearest town from our campsite was about 40 minutes. And the, Justin had arranged with the uh, rental car lady that she was going to leave a vehicle in front of a car dealership with the keys in the visor. And we would just go there, open up the door, find the keys, and we're good to go. What was the point of the second vehicle? What was, why did you need it? Because we wanted to hunt uh, in groups of two. And so we figured we, if necessary, we could cover more drainages and more area and not be necessarily pinned down to like a very small zone. Um, You know, we wanted to spread out and then also, yeah, just if we needed the flexibility to, to bop around. There were a few areas in our, our scouting that we figured, you know, one group could go east, one could go west and it would be like just beneficial to have another vehicle um so that was the idea 
we drove down 40 minutes and at this point it's about midnight and there's no vehicle waiting for us we end up scouring this dealership pulling on most car doors because it's like you know it's like a ford escape type vehicle right Mm -hmm. in the listing so we didn't know exactly if what it would be um they're all locked i found one in the back of the the back of the lot that was like a minivan that was open it had a car seat in the back i'm like i don't think this is it (laughs) like it was just we were pretty sure we were gonna get like arrested uh local police officer was gonna drive by and see a, a truck with four guys pulling on door handles at a dealership that seemed very sketchy um so that was yeah that was about midnight or so ben had pulled maybe five hours driving at this point it's been dark um so he was kind of losing it in terms of his level of fatigue we had not set up camp yet it's midnight and so basically we we had to come to terms with the fact that we weren't going to have two vehicles and we drove the 40 minutes back to camp um and began setting up camp which we did not get done until about 2 Mm a.m um the first day was coming quickly and we were planning to hunt the first morning Yeah, right at sunrise yep so we went to bed at about two and we got up at five. So we had, you know, 20 plus hours on the road and three hours of sleep. So the first morning was a bit of a, you know, you know, energy and excitement was high for sure. And that's the only thing that got us through. But it was, a, we started, uh, we started out behind the eight ball. That's for sure. Like it was not ideally how you'd like to set yeah. up. I mean, we, we, I would have liked to be at camp and shoot your bow a couple times make sure everything's still dialed in when you're there like settle into it but it was quite the opposite so you were starting tired starting very starting tired week tired yep yep and again after the wedding it was just like it was gonna be a bit to bite off mm-hmm. but forgot about that pretty quickly once we started uh going so the first morning was maybe like a 40 minute drive um up a mountain road with a truck just uh single dirt track you know single track dirt roads up this mountain switchback um and we got up at maybe five o'clock so it's pitch black but the moon was out super clear skies just like super bright moon and we drive and drive and drive and eventually we just pull over into this little clearing and now justin and ben had been to this area before they were and they had seen elk this was uh back in 2015 so the idea was to go to the spot that they ran into elk and we're going to spend two days and if we see them we'll stay and hunt them and if we don't we'll move westward to our other spots that we scouted um so they kind of knew the lay of the land uh the idea is to park and to get to the top of the mountain sort of at sunrise make some bugling calls uh for the male elk uh, and they will likely respond and then we'll be able to sort of formulate a plan from there um so yeah right away it was like pretty cool image in my in my memories of this trip like the four of us turned off our headlamps the moon is so bright and just hiking along this dirt road up this mountain with our bows in hand and like and camo it's just like this is crazy i can't believe we're here doing this and let out a bugle in the dark and didn't hear a thing and we kept going and then the road ended and then this is like we got to just walk into the woods like mm-hmm. to start bushwhacking there's no trails there's nothing just hiking up this crazy hill and it was just straight vertical basically for i don't know how long it took us it must have taken us an hour to get up there 
um, and the sun started rising and whatnot. And, um, it was pretty cool. It's pretty crazy. Like really tiring, obviously, but just like, couldn't believe that we were just bushwhacking through the hill. I mean, whenever I've ever gone hiking or anything, there's usually a trail, mm-hmm. you know, it's rare that like you get off completely the trail and you're just free to go wherever you want, whatever the easiest way to get over a log is mm-hmm. and all this stuff. So yeah, pretty cool. So all four of you were together at this point? Yep. There's four of you, right? Yep, there's four of us. So myself, uh, Ben, Justin, and Justin's father-in-law, Charlie. Um, so yes, the plan was to separate, you know, two and two. But just given how the night before worked, we just resolved to like, the four of us are going to go out tomorrow. We'll stick together. We'll hunt tomorrow together. And then from there, we'll see if we need to split apart. Did you ever find out what happened with that vehicle? Uh, the lady sent an email or I think Justin, you know, sent the email to her and she apologized and was like, I'll give you 10% off the list. It's like, you totally ruined our week. <laughs> you know, we had, we had, we had driven 20 hours yeah, and we had a week planned with this vehicle and you 10% off. Like I, thought, yeah. that, I thought that was pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Um, she didn't seem too remorseful, but do we want to give the name? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to, we won't share the, no, company. no, it's all good. It was ended up being a blessing. We, I think we had a lot better strategy with the one vehicle. Um, you know, kind of how things ended up working out. So, so you're at the top of this mountain. With yeah. So, so day one, we let out a bugle or two and heard nothing. Um, I, I think Justin handed me the bugle tube. Now the sun's up and he's got a video of it somewhere. Maybe we'll post. It was my first bugle in the wild and. Uh, I don't know if it happened right away, but shortly thereafter, we heard a really distant bugle. Like, you could barely hear it. It just sounded like a whistle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Steve Ranella and Giannis have like a, a, a way far off bugle, he calls it. Mm-hmm. Giannis has got this whistle that just sounds awesome. It's kind of like that. Like, you could barely hear it. Um, so that was cool. Uh, and then Justin and Charlie, so we're at the peak. Justin and Charlie go around to the other side of the ridge, and then we're going to start looking around and and maybe making some cow calls well ben and i kind of hung out and just enjoyed the morning and um tried to hear that bull a little more well we crested the ridge and caught up with charlie and justin and they had just started hearing cow calls so there was some cows seemingly right below us off this ridge um and And you have a cow tag right yep yep anything so really quite anything we saw we were hoping to get a shot at you Mm know Um, we were there for the meat and we knew the success rates are low so it's like if we get a good ethical shot at at anything you know we weren't going to be too proud to wait to get a big massive bull or anything that Mm -hmm. wasn't the point um so we hear these cows and then shortly after we hear a bugle right within them so there's a bull and cows this is day one morning one we're Mm -hmm. like oh my gosh there's elk right around us Mm -hmm. um we split up justin and ben uh, dubbed Charlie and I the shooters in this case. So how was that determined? They in this moment they just said you guys shoot. Like mm. it was pretty cool. Like they just sort of thoughtlessly were like you guys go ahead, and they hung back and started making calls and kind of directing us where to go. What nice guys! Yeah, it was nice. Um, and so like Charlie set up maybe in like the A position, and I dropped off like fifty yards down and away from him and. Um, Justin and Ben hung back and were trying to make calls to get the elk to come up the hill 
we didn't know how far they were, away they were, but they were close. Um, tried to get them to come up, and after a bit of time, they just, I think there was some bugling that they did, uh, Justin and Ben, and they just went quiet. We just, they never came in. They were there, and they just never came in. Um, and we heard some bugling, like, way down the ridge, down, it, it was a creek bottom, all the way down. Uh, ended up being, like, thirteen or 1,500 feet down. Um, and we heard some bugling down there, and also on the other side of the ridge. So, we had dropped quite a bit of elevation, and um, I was at this point where I heard these bu- these bulls bugling down the creek and, and across the ridge. I'm like, we got to get down. We got to mm-hmm. chase them. So, we organized, and Charlie... And Justin said that they were going to work back from where we had come from and sort of worked the other way, like kind of worked their way out essentially where we had been already. And I was of the mindset that we, I can hear bulls, like we got to go chase them. So mm-hmm. Ben and I decided to drop all the way down to the creek bottom and the creek bottom would flow to the road and we'd, we'd all meet up there. Well, that turned out to be probably the worst decision of the trip, um, for Ben and I, like that was our low moment. Uh, the The creek was no more than a foot wide. Mm. I was picturing like this little river and the elk would be down there mm-hmm. drinking water and sort of having like a little area to hang out mm-hmm. and protected. Uh, it was probably a foot or two, foot to three feet wide at the widest and just the gnarliest deadfall, trees everywhere, slippery rocks, um, like shale slides, mm-hmm. just a nightmare. Like it, it took us like hours and hours to get out of there. Um, mm. We were just complete. I think I used the word socked in when to Justin and Charlie via our messenger. I was like, mm-hmm. we're completely socked in. Like we couldn't hardly move. Um, mm. And it just got, it was fine. Like we felt safe in the fact that like we knew where we were going and it was, that wasn't such a big deal, but it got to a point where we were working so hard to move so little that we started to, like I felt fatigued. Like mm-hmm. I started like in a different way than just being tired. Like I could tell my judgment was getting bad. I was making like just dumb steps over things and like falling. We fell a bunch of times and mm-hmm. like it just got to this point where like we got to get out of here. Like this is taking way too long. We're probably moving like a quarter mile an hour. So was it was it treacherous because it was slippery or steep or was it the... It was like almost like try to walk through like some of the thickest brush you could oh, walk through okay. and then also you have to crisscross this creek just because of like finding a way to go mm-hmm. so you're slipping and there's rocks yeah i mean it was just like some of the hardest hiking through brush i've ever done mm-hmm. and then the only other way out was up vertically like mm-hmm. you're in the really steep valley and we just kept looking and being like we cannot climb out of here like mm-hmm. it's so vertical we can't climb out <laughs> like we have to go down the creek and uh long story long we just eventually we're like we need to get elevation we can't even walk so we just spent the time to hike and hike up straight up probably took us a half hour 45 minutes to get up to an elevation where we could actually like walk and that was very treacherous like it was 45 do de- i mean mm-hmm. it felt like 45 degree angle like the side of your foot's in the hill and it's like pebbles so would elk even be in something that steep? Where, where do you theorize they were? They yes, they were uh, on the ridge that we got up on. It was pretty like 
slippery rock. Like, I mean, I don't know if they were on that side. I imagine they were. But the other side that we had originally come down from shared a similar elevation profile, and they were in there. Mm. And they just bombed those hills mm. up and down. Like, it was lesson number one of the trip was like, this is not your home turf. Like, <laughs> these elk. Yeah. They can move, mm-hmm. and like it's nothing for them to drop hundreds of feet of elevation in seconds, and it would take us, you know, half hour to hike it. Like it's crazy. We mm-hmm. were so such a disadvantage. I went out there thinking that it was going to be like, you know, you'd sit on top of a mountain and look across with uh, binoculars, and you'd see some feeding elk on a nice meadow, and like you'd go, you know, have to creep in there, and it would be hard. Um, you could use the terrain to your advantage and like you could slip over these little folds and it's like, mm-hmm. no way. Like they're hidden and they can move like you wouldn't believe. And mm-hmm. so that was, it was just crazy. That was day one's lesson was like, this terrain is really rough and you cannot, it's not your playground to like run around on. Like mm-hmm. it's going to take you all you can do to just keep up with them or stay hidden. So Eventually, we got out of there. Uh, ben did hear uh, a bull responded to us. I think it was some really soft bugles. Uh, we tried to creep in on it, and I think Ben did see what you know. He did see it up the hill quite a ways. Again, just kind of wandered off, mm-hmm. uh, n- nowhere near close enough for a shot, and just wandered off. And um, that was day one for us. Justin and Charlie, on their way out, had found a bunch of sign. They found a wallow and a ton of droppings and bedding area. So that was some good information for day two. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was day one. Um, day two, we decided to split up in two groups of two. Uh, ben and I, we were going to circle around to the wallow that Justin and Charlie had found. And Charlie and Justin were going to go uh, a little bit north to the bedding area. And we were all going to kind of work toward each other in some ways. Um, not quite like a drive, but kind of. Um, a drive being when you're when you uh, your hunting party is all walking in the same direction, basically flushing out. It could be deer or pheasants or whatever, but you're all kind of walking at the same pace in the same direction, hopefully pushing game in a certain direction toward a toward a shooter, yeah. which would be the opposite direction. Correct. Right. Yeah. And so in this case, you know, it'd be like at a f- two ends of a football field, uh, two in two end zones. Each pair of two was walking towards the center of the field, and we were hoping that the deer, the elk, were toward the middle. And you know, well, we were hoping we didn't bump them into each other. But if we did happen to, maybe they would leave toward the other ones. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think that was kind of the general setup because we were hunting a pretty close area. We were pretty, pretty tight on one side of the mountain. Mm-hmm. So, um, Ben and I circle down and we start creeping down and we get, I let out a call call and sure enough, I hear a, yeah, you know, I'm mm-hmm. going to do that noise. That's not a good call call, but that's just, it paints, it, us it paints the picture. Yeah. I did that and, uh, got some responses again, right below us, kind of at a similar elevation as they were. So I'm like, wow, like they're there again. This is their area. We had seen all, or they had seen all this sign. We, we expected them to be here. They're there. And then I caught a couple flashes of movement and I was like, I saw them just get all excited mm-hmm. maybe the first ones i had seen we crept in and we started hearing all these crows and these big 
predator, like these scavenger birds are flying around. So I started thinking, maybe I didn't see an elk. Maybe I saw these birds flying back and forth. And sure enough, we walk up and find this big, uh, this big elk carcass mm-hmm. in the woods. We didn't quite know what to make of it at the moment, at the time. Was it fresh? It was pretty fresh. Um, and as we look back on it, we're like 90% sure it was a hunter uh, success. Like somebody had harvested, had gotten one like a mm-hmm. couple days before us. Uh, there was no head, no legs. Oh. Pretty telltale sign that they uh, they butchered it, it out and packed it out. You mm-hmm. know, just the how it how it was it was just seemed fresh, but an odd scene to walk up on, nonetheless. Like mm-hmm. it was definitely quite fresh. Um, so that was interesting, <laughs> kind of odd, but interesting. And then we kept going, and we found the wallow that uh, Justin and Charlie had found. It was this well used wallow right next to a little uh, lean to cabin, like this old structure. It's real odd. And I had this thought that like, okay, we're at a wallow. This is what the like bull elk will use this to um, get mud all over themselves. They urinate in the in the wallow, and they kind of get this stink all over them. It's what it asserts dominance, and I think tra- I think it attracts females in some capacity. But it's more of a dominance thing, mm-hmm. I believe. So I figured let's be a immature, you know, satellite bull and pretend that we're here in his turf. So I let out a bugle. Almost cuts me off a bugle from down below. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dang, like we're kind of on them, and mm-hmm. we get super excited. And we figure we need to be more aggressive. We need to start bombing this hill, get down to their elevation, got to catch up to them. Mm-hmm. So Ben and I are kind of half running down this hill, trying to creep as fast as we can, and they just seem to be farther and farther. And there's a cow, you know, the cows are calling back to us, but. The bull is really like not, he's pretty timid. And he's not really responding. I think we let out one more bugle. And again, kind of long story short, we just kept chasing them and they just shut up. They just mm-hmm. kind of were gone. So we get down to this break point of the elevation and we, we have to stop and we just like, are we going down there again? Mm-hmm. Like yesterday was terrible in terms of the hike. Mm-hmm. If we get one, if we go down there and get one, can we get out? Like, what is it going to look like? We're clearly not catching up to them. We haven't so far. It was just this moment of like, we got to choose. Mm-hmm. And for that day, we, we chose to not chase them. We decided to hike back up, um, which is kind of tough because it's like you're here for that reason, but mm-hmm. it's just it was just, t- I mean, it was just tough. That's all there is to it. Um, and we decided in that moment, it seemed as though the bulls, like from what we had read and heard is like in the rut, the bulls are going to come challenge another bull. So if we're bugling, we're in their area and they've got cows, they don't want you to come steal their cows. So they're going to come likely challenge you. Mm-hmm. Well, the other, the other reaction and the more likely reaction in this week was that they would run. Like there's no, there's no reason they have to fight when they've got what they want. They got what they want. So mm-hmm. we determined that in Idaho at this time that we were there, like maybe everything had been sorted between the bulls. Maybe, maybe they had their cows sort of figured out. Maybe we were a little late or maybe we were a little early. We still don't know yet. But like every time we seem to challenge 
with bugles, the bulls would shut up and they'd run or they'd be gone. It'd be interesting to know, you know, to ask somebody that's more experienced what what that what the next move would be, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It just seemed like I mean, we're piecing it together. We're all new, but it just seemed like that was the case. Like they just did not want to have a part of any other bulls. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that was day two. Um, At that point, Justin and Charlie uh, didn't see anything. So the decision was made to move areas completely. Um, So we went westward and we found a whole new ridge that we'd done a bunch of e-scouting on um, and set up camp there. This was away from a campground on a road, like on a mountain road, but there was no like public campground area. We just pulled over on this mountain road in the National Forest area, set up camp, and did some glassing, trying to find some elk, um, which we was unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a gorgeous night, just no elk out on mountaintops. Like I, like again, like I said, I had thought. So. Uh, day three, Justin and Charlie had this area down in the valley of this like kind of wooded dark area. Um, they wanted to go down and check that out. That's something that he had sort of seen on the e-scouting. And when we were there, he said, that looks like a, a good thick area to go. So they bombed into that area. Ben and I, we went up to a a clearing and decided we would do some glassing and we would just sort of put boots on the ground and hike and look for sign. Just totally new area that nobody had ever been there before in our group. Let's go on a walk. And we ended up covering about 12 miles that day. Um, something like two over 200 stories of elevation, just like mm-hmm. up and down crazy, super tired from 6am until about 6pm hiking um didn't find a thing (laughs) we bumped a couple mule deer um walking down a ridge but like a little bit of old sign but over 12 miles and a couple different ridges like basically no elk sign Mm -hmm. it's pretty disheartening we we were like we we left these elk in a different area you know an hour's drive away we came here and there's nothing Mm -hmm. like I know that from fishing, like you never leave fish to find fish. Mm-hmm. If you know that they're there, but you're not catching them and you go find some other ones. Well, th- there's nothing to say that there's going to be fish over there. Mm-hmm. So we were feeling a little sheepish, uh, with the move, but in our time gone, Ben and I, we, you know, we weren't so lucky, but Charlie and Justin, they found a lot of sign. They went down on this deep, dark Ridge and they found, rubs everywhere all over the trees um rubs are what a what a bull elk or even a um a whitetail buck will uh rub their antlers on um, smaller trees to kind of establish their home territory yep to kind of show this is my area and i don't want any other males in this spot because i'm I'm the big dog, right? And when they have velvet, it's also used to rub the velvet off, correct? Mm-hmm. So like when they've got, you know, antlers come in, they've got a velvety 
like fleshy membrane. I don't know. Yeah, how it's it, basically skin. Basically skin on top mm-hmm. of it, and then they rub that off during the pre-rut, probably. Yeah, it's well, certainly before the rut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, it becomes the hard antlers that we're all familiar with. So there was all these rubs, and I'll have to circle back with them a little bit. I should have done that before this uh, episode, but basically at one point, um, they had a cow come come right into them. I think they were probably doing some light call cow calling, and a cow came in, and Justin had Justin and Charlie had worked out the case that Charlie was going to be the shooter in this case, and. I think Justin was about 10 yards below below Charlie in elevation. Justin could see the cow, and Charlie wasn't able. He, he just didn't see the cow. Hmm. He didn't know it was there. But Justin was like, it's right there. You know, <laughs> this moment of like, you're only 10 yards away, but just with different sight lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're so quiet that he just had no idea. Um, Justin said later that maybe he could have just started walking at it and closed the distance and had a shot window while Justin could see it. He didn't have a shot window at it, mm-hmm. um, but was only there for a little bit and, and took off and they never got a shot at it, but they were within striking distance. I think maybe 35 yards mm. with a, within a cow. So that was yeah definitely something they had practiced, um, you know, a distance that they had practiced in. So Super, uh, super good day for them. They definitely figured out that they thought that they knew where they were. So day four, uh, the idea was then for just Justin and Charlie to go back into the same area and work the same uh, little ridge line. We had determined in this case that like shady areas, uh, like north facing slopes, mm-hmm. was kind of where some sign was in a in this area. So Ben and I were going to drop in on another. Uh, ridge and then Charlie and Justin were going to work another ridge and Ben and I got ourselves in another pickle we chose just blindly we chose a finger type ridge that we'd work down into this creek Mm -hmm. then we'd rise elevation again onto the other side and then we'd be in in the area and we left at about must have been 6 6 a.m or so and we didn't get down into the creek until about 10 Mm down or i mean we maybe were slightly up on the other side but we figured we pretty much had wasted the whole morning hiking trying to get down in this area it was so we were kind of like rock climbing it was so aggressive so we were kind of upset kind of frustrated with the fact that you know we only had a few days and we really the day before we had hiked 12 miles and seen nothing and today we kind of felt like we were ruining uh ruining our opportunity just because we were taking so long hiking and mm-hmm getting into these areas we don't know. Uh, so it was just hard. But eventually we got up to a point that was just gorgeous. And I'm like, dude, we got we to gotta reset here. Let's have lunch. Let's sit here on this awesome peak and just see what we're looking at. It's yeah. just gorgeous views. Like We had done it a couple times with the car rental and whatnot. Like we need a reset, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we're in some of the most beautiful country in the, in the United States, in the world. And you're starting to get angry at situations and it's time to like remember you know how fortunate you are and yeah how pristine this area is and yep absolutely yeah. like justin had said at one point like the worst day is like one of the best hikes you've ever taken mm-hmm. and that's exactly what i mean it's just we we're in an awesome spot that we had hiked to with no trail it's like 
Let's just sit down and have lunch. So we did. And uh, I look over to my right after lunch is wrapping up and we see pretty much like a highway of a trail just below us. Like this is, there's no human trails up there. It's like, that's an animal trail. That's an elk trail. So we decided to just hop on that trail and just see where it leads. And as we walk, we'll slowly be slowly walking, making cow calls down, you know, into the creek bottom from these ridges that we're in and keep the wind right, you know, wind in our face the whole time and coming up. Um, the thermals, I, which I haven't met, mentioned yet, are really important. Not only is there like uh, typical weather wind, like let's say blowing from the west, in the mountains there's thermals, so the sun affects how the wind flows up and down the mountain. Um, so like in the morning, when the mountains are cool and there's it's all shaded, the thermals pull air down the mountain, sort of regardless of where the day's winds are coming. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if the day's winds are strong, it'll swirl and it's just it's inconsistent. Then when the sun comes onto the mountain ridges, then the thermals pull up the mountain. So it's like a quite strong wind coming directly up the mountain mm-hmm. again, regardless of weather. So it's like something you really have to pay attention to. Um, so we're slowly walking along this uh, trail and we, you know, we're focused, but it had been a while since we really heard or seen much for elk we knew that we'd seen a bunch of rubs on this trail so we were like okay this is a very like elky area right like it's likely that something's around but again we hadn't heard anything and he was probably just a few feet in front of me yeah i mean i was just off of his shoulder and i was texting our other group member just to check in on where they were like their safety and stuff we had a device that we were keeping in contact just for like a when are you planning to get out type of thing? Mm-hmm. And he was checking the wind. So he was shaking a wind bottle back and forth in the air and squirting the, it's called like wind decator, like mm-hmm. smoking a bottle to check the wind. And he goes, don't move. And I look up and there's a cow elk that is walking up the hill, responding to his cow call mm-hmm. that we had done like a couple minutes prior to this on a line. She was looking directly at us made no sound we didn't hear one twig snap or anything like that and she was looking directly at us Mm -hmm. probably 30 yards 30 35 yards from us i have my phone like at my hip you know at my belt line i like slowly tuck it into my pocket and drop it ben doesn't have an arrow knocked we're completely Mm -hmm. caught with our pants down just not ready at all Mm -hmm. um so he slowly grabs an arrow I like have my hand on my rangefinder pouch on my waist belt and she starts to slowly turn. And then and so she's downhill at this time looking straight at us. She turns to her left and it starts to walk up the hill diagonally slightly away from us but like giving us almost a broad shot, broadside shot. She's behind some trees at this time but we could still perfectly see her and I see a little window if she were to keep going in this this mm-hmm. way. It's a perfectly clear shooting lane. There's a patch of red flowers. And I go, Ben, flowers. She's going there. He pulls, he draws his bow back. I whip quickly, like make a movement to get my rangefinder out, pull it to my eyeballs, and I wait there uh, at the spot that I think that she's going to. She steps in the window. I click her. I say, 48 yards. 
I do it again just to make sure. 48 yards. And in about half a second after I said the second 48 yards, she turns and ran downhill. <sighs> ben was at full draw, mm-hmm. hand on the trigger. He said when he heard 48, he did a big exhale mm-hmm. relaxing his shot and it was dropping his 50 yard pin on her vitals she mm-hmm. had a completely broadside clear window good to go mm-hmm. we needed a half a second more mm-hmm. like he was it was so close and she took off dang it was just like it was crazy we were we looked at each other just shaking like yeah totally Adrenaline, just like, oh, shaking like crazy. <laughs> yeah. It was just an amazing, like, it was totally burned into my brain. Were you uh, shocked at how big elk are? I mean, yes. we're both whitetail hunters, and I haven't had that much uh, interaction with elk, but I've certainly seen them, and it's shocking to me how much bigger they are. It than was a white crazy. Tail. Like, yeah, there's a, you know, I said earlier we wanted, we would essentially wanted to shoot whatever we had an availability to, an opportunity to, but there's a part of you that's like, I want to shoot a bull, mm-hmm. right? If it's a, if there's a chance, I'd like to shoot a bull. That cow was just huge. Mm-hmm. Like that all went out the window. Like that was a huge animal. Yeah. Uh, it would have been an amazing prize to, I don't know if that's the right word. It just like, that'd be an amazing accomplishment to shoot an animal that big. Um, so it was just crazy. We were, yeah, like I said, just shaking and like totally psyched that it was that close. Ben had drawn back and he was super pumped and yeah, just pretty wild. So, uh, at that point, then Ben was like, okay, I just had a chance. Like you're up. Cause, oh, we had pulled, we had drawn straws prior to that. Mm-hmm. And Ben got the thing. So it's like, yeah, he's a shooter. And, uh, he counted that as like an experience and um, we had kind of talked earlier. It's like, you don't necessarily get a full day. It's like, if there are more opportunities, we should rotate them out. And, mm-hmm. but, you know, it was really cool. We were, everybody was very like selfless and yeah. uh, just it's like, we all just wanted somebody to be successful. So it didn't really matter. Mm-hmm. And I certainly felt that way. Uh, but he goes, you know, that was my opportunity. So you should knock an arrow. And he's like, drop down 50 yards and we'll start to work this ridge line. I'll be calling. And she we never heard her coming. Like mm-hmm. she just showed up. So eyes up, maybe another one will be showing up. And yeah, we worked for a while and nothing else happened. Um so we regrouped. We kept walking and I looked down a, a ways later and I see this dirt patch. I'm like, what is that down there? You know, that looks like something. We should go down and check that out. You never really want to drop elevation when you've got it because that means you got to climb back up, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's super hard. But we're like, that looks significant. Let's go down there. And we get down there, and there's just a huge wallow, like at least double the size of the one that we had found in the other mm-hmm. area. Well used. We're like, oh my gosh, like this is this is where the bull hangs out. Like mm-hmm. we've got them sort of patterned, and we know we're in pretty close proximity to Justin and Charlie's previous location where they had seen a bunch of rubs and whatnot. So we set up and we, again, we kind of set up like you would in a, in a whitetail situation where you've got sort of an area where you expect them to come, which in this case was the wallow. And we set off about maybe 20 yards hidden in brush, mm-hmm. um, hoping that they'd come. And so we set out some, or, you know, we let off some bugles 
again, trying to be like a challenging bull. I don't know if that's the right technique, but it's what seemed to make sense to us. Um, didn't hear any bugling back or anything like that. So we sat there for about 15 minutes with, you know, after that bugling had happened. And then we had uh, done some reading and heard some things from like uh, Remy Warren and some other, um, you know, accomplished hunters that talked about like a cow party, making a lot of sounds like you're a bunch of different cows, right? So we brought out our various calls and started making all, all these different cow calls, cow calls. And uh, didn't hear any responses there and sat again for another 10, 15 minutes on that. And we just got to a point where we're like, all right, that's seems like enough. It obviously isn't in terms of whitetail hunting, that's not very much. Mm-hmm. You know, we only sat there for about an hour or a half hour, half hour, 40 minutes. And, but we decided to keep moving and we walked around the wallow and started kind of side hilling uphill. Um, maybe it only walked for five minutes, five to 10 minutes. And we approached the sort of bigger bush and bends in front of me. And I heard one twig snap and he goes, get down. We both like hit our knees and down below us, probably 200 feet in elevation, a whole herd of elk was running toward us. Towards like towards that wallow where you towards were the wallow, yes. So we had we had been walking from the wallow, mm-hmm. and a whole herd was running around a bend, down way below us, out of our sight lines. I mean, we could see them, but they probably couldn't see us. At a full run, we saw um, a bunch of cows, a calf, and a full on mature bull antlers just like huge he was right in the middle of them kind of tending to them they mm-hmm. stopped kind of where like in line of where we were they were so far down and like again like probably 200 feet down in elevation and we just quickly were like panicking like how do we get to them and so we decided that we needed to run uphill slightly to get out make sure they couldn't see us backtrack from where we had come and drop down on them mm-hmm. and you know, they were running, then they sort of stopped, but they were still moving. And by the time we turned our backs on them, ran uphill and started to look for them as we were coming down, they were gone. Mm. I mean, we barely heard them. There was, Ben says about a dozen. I could easily see that there was 20 elk. Mm-hmm. If somebody, if we actually had a count on them, I mean, it just seemed like there was a ton. Didn't hardly hear, but a couple cracks of sticks. Mm-hmm from a herd running through the woods. And it's just like, again, that's lesson number two for how they are. It's just like, they can go up and down faster than you could even believe. Mm-hmm. And they're silent, basically. If you would have waited it out in that wallow, would you? Would that <laughs> have been the, the X factor? Would that have changed the outcome probably? Or what do you think? It's hard to say, but it's it's been, I've been thinking about that a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were running that way, whether or not they would have, uh, there, you know, there was a Creek kind of, you know, lower in elevation from where they were, but kind of, that's where the wallow, you know, almost the headwaters ish. Mm -hmm. It's like, I think they, I think that they crossed the Creek, whether they would have done that before the wallow or not. I don't know. We don't know why the the herd was running. It was odd for them to be just running through the woods. Mm -hmm. There wasn't another there wasn't other hunter pressure and justin and charlie we figured out later weren't wouldn't have bumped them um so that was kind of a challenging question like why would they be running mm-hmm. um we our best theory and i think one that was likely correct was that there was a satellite bull a different bull in the area mm. 
that had showed up and the herd bull that was with the elk that we had seen was like playing into the pattern that we had observed in the other area, which is like, we're getting out of here. Mm -hmm. I'm rounding all you ladies up and we're gone. Mm -hmm. That's what our best theory is on, on their behavior. But again, you never know. I would love to have an expert or a professional be like, no, this is, this is what they were doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you'll never know, I guess. Yeah. If somebody knows what that looks like, uh, you know, let us know right in. Yeah, I'd you can <laughs> you can uh, send emails to either of us. Be Jake at firsttimeoutdoors.com or Mike at firsttimeoutdoors.com. Yep. You can always send us um, DMs on Instagram. Yeah. If anything that I'm describing in this whole this whole uh, story here sounds wrong or um, you have advice for what could have been done or have been in a similar situation, like I'd love to hear it. Um, I learned a lot in these first couple of days and I can't wait to learn more. So, uh, it was pretty crazy. Like to have that cow shot and then a potential cow shot and then see the whole herd and a, and a bull with antlers that like we could, I saw the whole thing. It's mm-hmm. just like, Oh my gosh, like this is what we're here for. Yeah. Like this was my goal was to see a mature bull in the wild. And he was right there. Like if we would have taken a slightly different route, they would have maybe ran into us mm-hmm. if we would have waited at the wallow a little longer. Maybe they would have run right to us. Yeah. Who knows? But it's close. So Ben and I decided to just look up vertically up this hill and just say, that's enough for the day. I think we, we had kind of busted our hump in the morning and we figured since all of those elk had just run by, it was unlikely that the herd bull would have let any other cows be hanging out by themselves, you know, in the area that we were about to go to. Mm-hmm. It seemed like he had them all rounded up. So we just decided let's pull the pin for the day. We got a bit of a hike out, maybe an hour and a half type of hike out. Um, let's just get to it. So we got up there and we hadn't heard from Charlie and Justin in a while. So we figured, you know, they were probably done. We were behind our scheduled time to exit the woods. Um, but it was still midday, maybe, maybe 2 PM or so. So we got up, we got to the top of the ridge, had a little bit of lunch, and then it took us about an hour to get from where we were to the truck. Um, we got to the truck, and Charlie and just uh, Charlie and Justin were waiting for us, and they were excited to hear how close we were, all this, all this stuff. And we had been aware that the weather was going to be changing in the next couple of days. That a, a snowstorm was planned for Montana and Idaho, um, and it was going to be potentially a big one and we just had been getting this information um updated from our wives and uh people at home that like it was going to be significant six mm-hmm. to nine inches in our area and we were just in a position where like we couldn't be stuck on top of this mountain with that sort of if six to nine inches would have come in that would have been extremely dangerous mm-hmm. getting off the mountain just because it's old dirt you know forest roads not yeah. no guardrails no nobody's plowing nobody's plowing like mm-hmm. super risky so in this moment, essentially, we decided like we need to, we backtracked. We said, we can hunt tomorrow, tonight and tomorrow morning. And we need to establish a cutoff time. Tomorrow at 10 a.m. would be our cutoff because we need to be off this mountain tomorrow evening. And if we were to get one, we think 10 a.m. would be like a reasonable, whatever, six hours or something to find a shot elk 
and start quartering it and hiking mm-hmm. it out, breaking camp, all this. We had to do all this in like this moment where we're at the truck going, all right, we've got tonight and tomorrow morning till 10 a.m. Justin had heard the amount of success that we had just seen, that we'd seen all these elk. And uh, there was an area that I kind of left out of this original story where Ben and I had found tons of recent um, droppings and urine. Like we, we found fresh urine on kind of a feeding area in some grassy area. So we, Justin and Charlie had found like they found kind of the bedding rub area. We found a wallow. There was a creek, rubs everywhere, trails. And then we found a potential food source. So we felt like we really have their area mapped out here. Mm-hmm. Justin's was adamantly like, I think we need to go sit that food spot. They're going to work. The elk that you just saw are going to work uphill, go to their food spot tonight and feed. We need to go sit. Because they're prepping for a storm too. Yeah. They know it's coming. Yep. And that's typical behavior too is to, I think, is to, you know, they feed up at night and and then they'll go back down wherever they were bedded and and bed down. So the plan, Justin said, he's he's like, I want to go out there and sit on that food source until end of shooting light sorry we got to give it a shot we'll walk out at dark mm-hmm. like it's our only chance and charlie goes i'm out like i'm not down for that i'm not gonna walk out at dark it's an you know it'd be an hour and a half hike in the dark mm-hmm. to get out of there ben kind of hesitated for a bit was kind of in kind of out and eventually decided against it he didn't want to uh yeah, he wasn't in for that hike either. I also was back and forth and just decided, like, seeing Justin's enthusiasm, I think, for the moment, I said, yeah, we're here. I got to go. Like, mm-hmm. we just saw a bunch of elk. We, we could get one tonight. So Justin and I quickly arrange our packs, get geared up, create a plan with trust with Charlie and Ben, like a safety plan um, when we'd be out where we're going to be exactly and whatnot. And we just mm-hmm. take off essentially running, like run hiking to get to the spot. Mm-hmm. We get there in at least half the time. And um, basically we we got to that spot and decided that we were going to keep looking. We weren't going to sit there the whole time. And we uh, kind, of re- kind of mimicked the hunt that Ben and I had just done. We got on that same trail. We walked to where the cow would come out for where Ben... Um, almost had that shot made. Didn't hear anything, no noises. Went down to the wallow, did the same thing that Ben and I did. We made some bugles, we made some cow calls, we sat for about the same time, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, nothing happened. And then we decided to continue on walking around the ridge. And it's getting to be about maybe um, 5, 30, 6 o'clock at night at this time. Legal shooting is about 7.30. I think that's right. Um, anyway, you know, close to dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we get to this point where it's almost exactly where Ben and I pulled the plug and we walked straight uphill. And Justin said, do you want to, do you want to walk up here or do you want to keep walking around this ridge, this, this other like bend in the, the hill we were side hilling and just see what we can learn for tomorrow morning? I said, you know, I was getting pretty tired at this point. I'd kind of done this twice today. And I was like, all right, let's just go one more ridge. We'll stop there and we'll hike up. Mm-hmm. Go around the ridge. Justin's below me a bit. We're letting out call call calls every once in a while. And 
He lets out one more. And I see his eyes light up. And I didn't hear a thing. And I was like, what? He's like, did you hear him? And there, he heard a bugle from down below at the creek. I said, I didn't hear a thing. He goes, you let out a cow call. I let one out. And sure enough, heard a, a bugle mm-hmm. from down the creek. And we look at each other, our eyes just wide, like, he's down there. We got to go. And we had talked this whole week about being more aggressive. Like, mm-hmm. they're there. Try to catch up when you can. Then play it smart. I don't know if that's you the right... You don't have much to lose at that point. Yeah. This is the night before we're going to leave. We got to get to him. So we just start bombing this hill. Like, running <clears throat> down this hill, basically. Stopping every 50 yards or more. And... uh doing some more cow calls and every time we lit up a cow call he responded right away bugling at us so we're just like oh my gosh like this is coming together this is the moment like Mm -hmm. the wind's coming up the thermals are coming up and right in our face like the wind's perfect he's bugling every time we haven't heard hardly any bugles this whole trip we get down you know going down 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 we start to see the creek bottom he's still bugling and we get to this point where like a lot of bow hunters that I've heard of, I feel the wind hit the back of my neck. Mm. And something I, again, another thing I omitted from the first day was when Ben and I hit that creek bottom on that first day, mm-hmm. we realized that creek bottoms are cold, regardless of the thermals. Mm-hmm. So the, the wind basically Always goes downstream. It goes yeah. to the creek and it goes downstream. So we had gotten to the point, despite the fact that the thermals were rising, as we were descending, we got low enough where the wind switched and was now going to the creek and downstream. Mm-hmm. The bull was downstream and to our left, mm-hmm. exactly where the wind was going once we got down to his level. If mm-hmm. he would have stayed higher, it would have you know, stayed in our face. We could maybe, maybe he would have come to us slightly. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we get down to this level. I let out another cow call. He bugles once to our left. I'm like, where is he? We're looking, looking, looking. And there's this clearing in the woods that I'm looking at directly across from me to my left. I let out another cow call and there's pine trees directly in front of me straight. And he just lets out this growly, just this crazy low bugle. It wasn't loud. It wasn't a screamy thing. It was like low. You could hear it like Mm -hmm. guttural thing. And I just pinpointed like right in the tree. I'm like, there he is. I can hear him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I drop down a couple more feet and I see a brown body. Like, I got him. He's right there. Mm-hmm. I see his antlers. I pull up my binoculars. I'm looking at him. His face was behind a tree and his antlers were sticking out into the tree, like mm-hmm. up into trees. But I could tell he's a, you know, a nice big bull. I check my wind and it blows directly to him. <laughs> oh, no. Like, it's blowing. My, my wind powder is just like blowing at him. Mm-hmm. Justin's below me. We've got arrows knocked. I'm like, Justin. We got to get down to the creek. Like, I can tell that the wind is blowing to the creek, and he's kind of below us. We need to get below him so the wind keeps going below mm-hmm. and, and creep into him. So we start descending, and he just takes off. He just runs the other way. Mm-hmm. And something in that moment with Justin and I, like, snapped, and we just ran at him. <laughs> like, it was this desperate moment where we had arrows knocked and we're like we gotta catch him Mm -hmm. this is our only chance we're gone tomorrow and we have a bull 
we said, you know, looking back on it, I think he was probably 80 yards, 70, 80 yards. Mm-hmm. I, like, I didn't think about knocking, like, pulling back or anything. Justin thought 40. So, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's, I mean, it just, it felt like too far. Yeah. Um, Justin thought maybe he was reasonable, but he didn't see the, he didn't see him. But just this moment, we're like, we're right in his kitchen. Like, we got to get him. Mm-hmm. So, we just start taking off, running. Justin's staying low. I'm starting to side hill high. Mm-hmm. We get up to this point and uh we kind of see him he's hesitating he's kind of walk like he ran but he was like looking back and kind of walking through this brush and mm-hmm. like we're kind of closing the distance but he's kind of running off and then he he just took he just took take off you know and justin and i reconverged and we were like panting like you'd never believe my heart rate's like 200 and we just like let out this audible high five we're just like oh my gosh and we were like that was so crazy, so close, and mm-hmm. kind of talking in some ways. And we kept walking just a little bit, I think. And you know, like a minute or two had passed, I think. The woods had quieted down a little bit, and then we just heard an eruption of animals get up in front of us and run the other way. And we had bumped eight cows. <laughs> they were right there. Dang it. We didn't know. <laughs> We didn't know that they were there. Some, some, uh, somewhere. Hopefully, we've got some like experienced elk hunter that's listening to this podcast and banging his or her head oh, up, up against the wall. I know. <laughs> like, what are they doing? I know. Clearly, lots of mistakes. But we had, you know, the bull was sort of looking back. He was at the kind of standing guard, if you will, and his cows yeah. are behind him, mm-hmm. and. We were pretending to be a cow and we think, you know, we were like this lone, lonely cow. And he said, you know, get down here. You're lost. Get down to us. And we followed suit and we came right down with him. Mm-hmm. And he got close, close, close. And he was happy every time we were getting closer. And then he smelled us, obviously. Mm-hmm. And he took off. But after we had chased him, these cows bust. And again, we just take off running at them. And because it's like they'd already like been running from us. The reason I'm laughing is because I have a similar story with Justin as well with Russian. This was geese in our case. I'm not, I won't share the story. Some point I will. Yeah. But it just, it, it seems to be a, a very common MO. Yeah. Modus operandi for for Justin. He he, uh, must like to to rush game like just, while he's hunting just get wild like his his thing yeah i mean so we just took off after them and uh, they were running from us but they were very like unsure about why they were running so they were stopping regularly and looking back and walking and like we were closing the gap for sure like he he had taken off through them and the bull was gone like he he smelled us for sure, and he was gone. And I think him running through them, they all spooked and started running, but they didn't see us yet, and they couldn't smell us yet. So they were kind of like, "Why are we running?" Mm-hmm. That's this is my thought, you know, anthropomorphizing mm-hmm. elk and thinking that they're thinking all these things through. But I just think that they were half-heartedly spooked. Mm-hmm. So we get quite close. Um, Justin ended up drawing back three times. I like I'm taking this higher elevation point, and I look and I see. There's a lane, again, of grass that I can, I just see this whole lane. I don't see any elk, but I just see Justin at full draw. I'm like, he's going to, it's going to happen. Like, he's Mm -hmm. at full draw on an elk. 
didn't happen. He, he lets down. I'm still running. Justin's running low. Four elk end up cutting toward the creek and peeling off. And the other four elk stay high, just like Justin and I had done. I, I felt like we needed to stay split apart to give ourselves options. I'm absolutely dying at this point. My heart is just like pounding out of my chest just because of the exhaustion. Like mm-hmm. running in the mountains was so hard. I come dipping down this little bend and there's big bushes all around me. And I pop up a little too fast and there's three cows broadside, like broadside slash quartering away slightly right in front of me. Stupidly, because I'm frantic, I'm running, I take my release, put it on my D loop, and I go, oh, I need a range. You know, like just like, of course, you need a range first. You can't mm-hmm. start the shooting process. So I, then I quick grab my rangefinder, lift it up, click on them hit a branch right in front of him. It says mm-hmm. eight yards. Like, no, not eight yards. Do it again, 35 yards. Mm-hmm. I got him. Put my hand on my uh, the D-loop, and they, they walk off. Like, seconds yeah. away. I, I was right there, 35 yards, broadside. Just needed five more seconds, and I would have probably had a shot. Justin had three. He drew back three times mm-hmm. on elk in that moment. And they all sort of meandered. They were just like this weirdest behavior. They were they were scared, but they weren't that scared. And they were lingering, and they were just curious, kind of what's going on here. And they meandered over the creek, and then they started doubling back from where we had come. Justin and I were like, we got to catch them. We got to cut them off. So we just sprinted back from where we had came to try to cut them off. And by the time we crossed the creek, they were just nowhere to be seen. Yeah. Like just They moved way it's easier. Like, yeah, yeah, like we... We were lucky to have stayed with them for as long as we did. You know, I don't know how many minutes this whole thing happened. It seemed like an eternity, but it probably wasn't that long. But we stuck with them, and we were very close to to getting a few shots, which is crazy. So lots of high fives. We were completely soaked. I had spent a lot of my trip thinking about sweat management and not trying to sweat in the mountains as much mm-hmm. as possible to, to stay warm. And, you know, once you get wet, you get cold. Mm-hmm. And I was absolutely soaked. It was just like this last-ditch effort. Mm-hmm. Um, so we high-fived, we talked, whatnot. It was starting to get dark uh, or too close to legal shooting, and we started hiking out. We got to most of the way out, and we're talking. And all of a sudden, we're just sitting there chatting having a a quick break from our hike and i smell something i just what is that i just smelled this cattle smell Mm -hmm. and i had read and heard that if you're close you can often smell elk you should use your nose in addition to your ears and eyes i was like i smelled it and justin couldn't smell anything okay that was weird like we we looked around we were tried to be quiet and we kept walking and about a few minutes later we get toward the top and we see two cows that had been running from us they'd likely stayed with the drainage and peaked way ahead of us they took a left-hand turn and they were not too far in front of us maybe 75 yards in front of us Mm -hmm. so we start running to the like up and to the left that like uh, you know we had stayed hidden from them in terms of visibility but we were trying to close the gap Mm -hmm. i see justin ahead of me he's running he throws his hiking stick to the ground he's running grabs his bow and he goes range i was like what i'm still not ready i'm trying to catch up i'm about mm-hmm. to throw my hiking stick and he wants a range so i was like what and he said range and i pull up my range finder and i look and there's two they they had doubled back 
Mm. And they were they had closed the gap as well. And they were about 25 or 30 yards right in front of him. Mm. Perfect shot. It was like dark. It was like that questionable shooting light. Yeah. It was getting dark. And they were broadside. And I had no, no, I was not prepared to give them a range. And they just continued running off. So <laughs> another moment. Mm-hmm. And he said like, you know, he's, in a, he's a very experienced hunter. He said like, he knew about the range that they were. He had him at about 25 to 30 yards. And he felt pretty confident in that. But given the the light yeah, and given the fact that we had done so much running and all this stuff, it's just you want to put an ethical shot. Yeah, You don't want to – you're not just flinging arrows. You want to make sure you've got the right information. It was slightly downhill. So it was best that he didn't shoot. But mm-hmm. just, again, within fractions of a second of, of having another uh, opportunity. Yeah. So, uh, we're almost to the, the finale here. We get, we hiked all the way out. The day was done. Uh, Charlie and Ben were, you know, super pumped that, that all this had happened. And we sort of quickly tried to rebound and just say, all right, what's, what's going to happen tomorrow? Let's, you know, we've only got until 10 a.m. It's a hard cutoff. We know that the elk are down there. Hopefully they didn't blow out. We probably made them angry. The, that bull because yeah. we busted up all of his cows yeah maybe he'll be pissed off you know tomorrow yeah maybe yeah. so our plan was to just bomb down the hill um kind of the thermals be damned we we were going to use one ridge like one little valley of a ridge to stay in that one and blow that whole side out that was the plan because we thought that they were over the next ridge right you can't affect the thermals down the whole mountain but let's get into a tight one Hopefully the scent will stay in that sort mm-hmm. of uh, almost like a water slide, right? Like mm-hmm. get in that water slide. And then when we get down to where we need to be, we can make calls and we could crest the hill and get into the other mm-hmm. drainage. And that's what they'll be. So we work, we have a high level of confidence. I'm like, this is it. Like it feels like this is crazy. All four of us creeping down there. We just had this intensity to it. We wanted to be down there by eight o'clock and right about eight o'clock, we get down to the very sort of tip of this uh, finger. We make some cow calls. What do we hear? But a bugle directly across from us in this. If you can picture this little water slide, we're on the left side of the the mm-hmm. arc. He's on the right side of the. He's on the other hill. Mm. Completely the opposite direction that we thought. So our wind was terrible. Yeah. We expected that he was over the hill. Yeah. He was on the same hill as us, but like just right across probably 60 yards from us. He let out this chuckle, like this crazy eerie Mm -hmm. chuckle to our cow call. And we're in a line. It goes Ben Albers, um, myself, Justin, and Charlie in a line, kind of a diagonal line, all about maybe five to ten feet apart. And we're like, where is he? Um, We heard that that bugle and that chuckle and Justin points hard left down the hill and the three of us hard, right? Like we were 90 degrees different. We just like, where was he? We all heard different things, but the three of us heard to the right and back and it's like, okay, that's where he is. And we, we just kind of froze at that moment. We all knocked an arrow quickly. So we were all prepared. I had my rangefinder out ready to go. I'd learned that lesson (laughs) twice. And, uh, we're just looking, looking, looking. All of a sudden, I see him. I caught movement. 
he's coming our way, walking at us. I hadn't seen that before. And I just whisper, I got him. And then I see him again. He's coming at us. I, I see his level of travel is diagonaling right towards Ben. Down down the hill, he's at almost reaching the bottom, and he's going to come back up. I know he's coming right up at him towards Ben. I go, Ben, you're the shooter. Whispering, you know, quieter than that, obviously. Ben, you're the shooter. And I start to see him come up. We know our wind is wrong because we just knew it, but we were like stuck. You mm-hmm. can't move fast in the mountains. What you know, We didn't know what to do. We just kind of paused, praying that he would make it. And I lift up my rangefinder into this little patch in the trees this is a you could just see him he's a gray body just black antlers just like mature bull probably not the herd bull but mature bull walking right at us i click the rangefinder right when he pops into his window 25 yards Oof. i yell 25 yards or whisper 25 yards ben's i can't i don't know if he i think he was at full draw mm-hmm. and the thing turned right shortly after i said 25 yards he smelled us, mm-hmm. books off down the hill, running away. <laughs> I mean, man, it was just like, it was just wild. The last ditch effort after the night before, we actually found him again. Yeah. He was responsive. He walked right into us. 25 yards. You've been bugling and walking to us. Yeah. It was just like absolutely amazing. And I took off, right? Like mm-hmm. the night before. I'm like, I'm running. I just, I didn't say anything. I just took off running after him. Mm-hmm. The, the three of the other guys, I think they had had enough. And they, they knew he was gone. <laughs> Disheartened at that point. They knew he was gone. And I just had some, you know, last ounce of optimism that maybe he would stop and I would need to close the gap and I could, you know, put a long shot on him or something. But mm-hmm. he was, never saw him again after he ran. Um, and that was, that was basically the hunt. We, did a little bit longer just to see if we could find a cow and nothing happened and we called it a day and hiked out of there but it was a crazy success to have been in the elk every day basically we heard them despite the fact that we didn't really hear any bugling um per se very soft timid bugling if, if anything but yeah. we were able to find them and uh we're very close. Mm-hmm. We we said that uh, we were probably ten seconds from four elk. Yeah, you know, if all all things considered, mm-hmm. Ben needed about a half a second or one second. I probably needed five. Charlie and Justin maybe needed a few. Yeah, that last one, the bull in the final morning, needed he needed to take three steps or or Ben needed to drop. You know, we needed we figured out. As soon as I saw him coming, we knew our wind was wrong. We needed to drop elevation. We needed to get below him. He was coming clearly to wind us. Mm-hmm. He had heard the cow call, answered us, and he was circling downwind of us. Just clear as day. It was just in that moment, like that was the that was the biggest lesson of I would say my biggest lesson of elk elk hunting was and probably hunting in general. I just haven't had enough experience to realize it yet. But you need to be with practice, with shooting, with range finding, with understanding the wind, how every little detail works, you need to know what your answer is before you know like what the question is. Like you need to mm. respond without thinking. Yeah, be proactive instead of reactive. Yes. In every one of those moments, we 
didn't quite know what to do yeah right then and there and if we would have known as opposed to thinking figuring out the answer and then Mm -hmm. acting we would have been in a few seconds we would have had some seconds advantage yeah and i think that's really all it came down to yeah was seconds I mean, sure, maybe you get in a scenario where you've got an elk feeding and it's completely distracted and yeah. you can sneak in. That does happen, I'm sure. But in the cases that we had, it was like, you're working all day for five, four days yeah. for a few seconds. And whether it was, in my case, a rangefinder that I just felt like I needed a couple extra seconds on mm-hmm. or not hiking to the exact spot, not knowing what exactly what the wind's doing, being too aggressive, not aggressive enough, just the, the few seconds. That's all the difference. Yeah. So that's definitely something I'm going to be taking into the whitetail woods and, and beyond, like, as I think more about hunting, it's like, how do you, you know, we, how can you try to stay one step ahead and how can you limit those little moments that end up being catastrophic mm-hmm. in terms of, not being successful yeah so well it sounds like you still have i mean i i was thinking to myself while you're telling this sometimes being that close makes it that much more um desirable to try it again Mm -hmm. you know if you had gone out there and gotten four elk and everything worked in your favor you know would have been great but i think that being so close so many times makes you want to go again right yep it's like oh i can do it differently or i'm going to learn I, i've learned something that i'm going to try um and um be able to to make those little differences that uh can change the outcome of the whole experience yep so it was definitely like <laughs> i i think i could speak for the whole group as we got in the car we couldn't stop playing all those moments back and I couldn't stop thinking about like, when am I going to get to do this again? When am I going to get to figure out what I didn't know? I mean, we were four and a half days of hunting. I can't tell you how much I learned just in those days. And like thinking about people that have a lifetime of experience, how much you can learn all the things that can change, whether you name it, the variables. I barely scratched the surface on sort of, you know, what could happen and i guarantee you i made a million mistakes out there um but it felt like a success in a lot of ways yeah you know so yeah pretty cool i would consider that to be a success yeah i mean that's all i would ever hope for Mm -hmm. you know just to give me an opportunity yep you know whether or not it all comes together but is one thing but to have just to have an elk close have have your release on the D loop with the bow drawn back. That's about all you can ask for. Yep. So congratulations on that and Thanks. to the rest of your, your hunting party. That was some pretty great stories. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. It was a it was a blast. For all of you people that are have ever thought about it, um thought about trying something new and elk hunting specifically, I would just say uh, you know, do your research get with somebody if you want to take a partner i would i would recommend going out with a couple people just because uh you know for safety for um increased likelihood of seeing things but um come up with a plan and and just go try it out we 
we spent our time, I think as you you know heard in episode two, we spent our time researching and doing the work, but that's something you could do from home. And when you're not watching TV, you can do a little reading about elk behavior and where to go and whatnot. And, and in six or eight months, you might find yourself uh, staring at a bugling elk and it'll kind of change your world, I think. Yeah. So yeah, highly recommend it. Um, well, you're not the only person that had an outdoor adventure in the last week. Um, I got a little bit of time in the whitetail woods. Um, won't be sharing that story today, but stay tuned for that story next week. I got a first time hunter ocean, a good friend of mine from a previous, uh, job from school that I taught at, um, got them out for first time bow hunt. Got some good stories from that, that you'll, um, you'll hear next week. So stay tuned for that as well. Great. Yeah. Thanks for being with us today, guys. And, uh, we will catch you next week. Thank you. Take care.